With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm. And today, for the second time in like six days or something like that, Ben Girding is joining us. How's it going, Ben? Doing well. Same exact position that I was in last time we spoke at the desk, you know, as you are. So it's, yep. it's good to keep talking to the people, give us something to do during these crazy times. And there's actually stuff to talk about. Yes. It, and it, it's it, stuff that I think you're very qualified to talk about. <laughs> More or less, I think. Yeah. <laughs> give or take. <laughs> For once in my life, I feel decently qualified. No, that's, that's what, that's what matters. So for the, you guys missed it and there are probably bits of this conversation that you would have liked to have heard. Um, and most of the two hours you probably would have hated, but Ben and I have been all over the trip talking about the protests, which are happening like literally all around me, like outside my building, everything is boarded up and spray painted. And then we got all the way through like is tiger woods, a good guy. Wow. The, the answer is yes, by the way. Um, <laughs> and then like wrapped around the best football books, which is probably kind of tied in here. So I'm going to first, first I need to shout out Wright Thompson's book, um, which I just was talking to somebody who was reading it or just bought it. Um, but uh, I think it's called like the cost of these dreams, which is super dope. Also, if you guys want to read about football, because we just had this conversation, my two suggestions, take your eye off the ball. 2.0. There's a new version. Super good. Um, a whole bunch of behind the scenes football stuff about how the organization works, like what it's like being in the meetings, how these people think. And then also there's a book called the quarterback or the QB, the making of modern quarterbacks by Bruce Feldman, where he explains a bunch of stuff about quarterbacks, personality traits, and like this, the different personality tests that teams will give a quarterback to see whether they'll pan out because, you know, of like the 15 greatest quarterbacks of all time, like 12 or 13 of them are the same personality type. There's a whole bunch of cool stuff in there too. So those are good books if you're bored. And I feel like I should contribute to <laughs> ending that as much as possible. Um, but today, Ben and I want to talk about the uh, name image likeness stuff that's going on and particularly what the buffs are doing with this program that they just announced um, yesterday. I think I'm pulling up the email now, but it's a pretty cool program. It's called buffs with a brand and it's basically Rick George and his athletic department trying to help student athletes build their brands. Um, with the NIL things happening, they're going to have to be negotiating their own kind of contracts, endorsement contracts, which is a weird situation to be in. And the buffs aren't supposed to help. And, uh, 
what they can do is teach them how this works, how contracts work. Uh, they said the three key points are working on brand management, entrepreneurship, and financial literacy. Uh, they, they're bringing in Jeremy Darlow of Brands Win Championships, who is a, a brand consultant for athletes and teams and coaches. Um, they're, they're also bringing in Lauren Unrine, who I've been in contact with a little bit during my time in Boulder and I'll say that she seems like a good choice um, based on, I think she's working mostly with uh, the, the, uh, the, like the internship type program. I can't remember off the top of my head what that's called. I didn't pull it, but basically getting student athletes in matched with internships. Um, so she'll be a part of this as well. And Eric Mueller, who I'm going to have Ben tell you all about because he's an award-winning adjunct professor um, and the faculty director of the Entrepreneurial Initiatives and CU's Lead School of Business. Um, so, Ben, you're our business guy. Yes. You know more about marketing than I do. And you also know Eric. Like, what, just first of all, is like your general take on this being a thing now? I, I think this is quite literally Rick George. He's stepping up to the plate, putting his money where his mouth is, and, and he is just he's owning this, this name, image, and likeness. He's providing a platform for these student athletes to truly capitalize on the opportunity. Um, you know, as you talked about, the Buffs are obviously not the only team that's not supposed to help their athletes with these endorsements. So, you know, while passing this legislation, which is going to take into effect in January of 2021, while passing that was a great step in the right direction, now it comes to the part of education for these athletes to make sure that they're prepared because while they have the ability you know, a lot of them might not know how to do it. Brand management and, and entrepreneurship is, it, it sounds kind of easy. It, it's quite literally not. I mean, take it from, you know, DNVR is an entrepreneurship or a startup, and there are more than enough hiccups along the way with that. So especially when it's considered your brand, your personal brand, there's a lot to do with it. So it's what, I've, what it sounds like, everything that they've talked about, the people they're bringing in, it's going to be a comprehensive program um, that's really going to tap into all of CU's resources. Uh, you know, you touched on Eric Mueller, who I do know um, in, the, in the business school. He's a great guy. And the, the Entrepreneurship Center at Leeds is unparalleled to anything else I've ever seen. You can go in there with any idea you know, you can go in there with a company idea, with a product idea, with literally anything. They'll give you steps for funding routes, for how to create it, for everything like that. You don't even necessarily have to be a business student to capitalize on it. So to bring in Eric, who's, you know, not only is he a great guy, but also he has a lot of great work. Obviously, he's an award winner, but, you know, he, he's passionate about the cause, which I think is, is really important. It's a star-studded cast of contributors. And I mean, the program should prop up students to do everything they need to in Mensa. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and this is one of the points that we haven't talked about too much with the name image likeness. And that's that these student athletes generally will be negotiating on their own behalf. You know, they probably won't have an agent who's out there. And I think they might even be banned. I need to check on that again because it's been a couple minutes since I've gone through all those rules, but it's tough, especially when they're starting a new market um, in Boulder or the Denver area, wherever this seems to take shape, they essentially that's what it is. They have to set the market. And if, and if Nate Landman and Mustafa Johnson and whoever else to, who get offered these 
sponsorships say, we'll take this amount of money. That's what that amount of money will be expected to be for the future. And so educating them on what they're worth, how to get as much as they are worth and that kind of stuff is very valuable because while anything is going to be better than the nothing they currently have, if they undervalue themselves, they're setting that precedent for all the student athletes who come through the school behind them. Yeah. And, and I'm actually in a, a business of sport program as we speak. So mm-hmm. this is, this is right exactly what I'm learning about and what I love to talk about because it's so intricate. And, and the fact is, you know, let's take, for example, let's say the dark horse on baseline wants to sign up Nate Landman to be, you know, his official bar in Boulder or something like that. You know, that's it. it you're, you're preaching exactly what it is because whatever money he gets Well, when he graduates, the next guy that comes in is locked in pretty much to that rate. And so they need to be smart about it. And this program is, you know, it's not just about, you know, how to market yourself on Twitter and stuff. They do a lot with it. The, the, The people that complete the program, there's multiple steps that, you know, aim to hit those key pillars. Um, that includes they're creating their own marketing plan for themselves, which I think is really great because it's going to help them step-by-step outline how they're going to be doing it. Um, they get to create mock companies and pitch to the cohort. Um, and, and they also, they're going to be creating profit and loss statements, hitting on those financial literacy. It's so much stuff to prepare these people because, you know, th- th- these are these are students and they have more potential than a lot of other students in their position because, you know, I can't just go out and, and endorse the dark horse. They've got a great burger, but I don't think they're going to pay me to say it. So, you know, <laughs> whereas they, they, they have just so much potential. And so giving them a platform that's actually going to teach them exactly how to find that market is, is incredible. And I think it's great that Colorado is really at the forefront of this across the country. I think that speaks volumes to itself and, and to who Rick George is as an athletic director. And this is the kind of stuff that we don't talk about enough when it comes to successful, I mean, really any successful organization, whether it's a a sports team or a business, anything like that. It's, It's Rick George saying, you know what, if we help these student athletes out, they will repay us somehow. This good action right now will lead to more good things down the future, even if it isn't obvious. Maybe that's a boost in recruiting because CU student athletes are bringing in more NIL money than they typically, or than you would have expected or than they would have otherwise. Maybe it's because down the road, these businesses want to come back and support CU or come back and support this program. There, It's just this out of, it, it just feels like he truly does care. Yeah. And, and you can say that as much as you want, but that's what this looks like. Um, you know, I, I told Ben when we were talking about books, I'm reading this book by Bill Polian and I'm still pretty early on. I'm still in the eighties, but in the eighties, when he was with the bills, just getting in there, he realized when he first took over that front office, that a lot of the people who worked for the bills weren't really Bills fans and they'd be criticizing decisions. They didn't really care how the team did. And, you know, they were selling tickets or doing something in that vein that really doesn't seem like it comes that close to the football playing aspect. But one of the things he said he learned was that you need everybody totally, totally bought in from the top of the organization all the way down. And you can't afford to have people who aren't bought in. And, and this feels like that same thing from Rick George, where it's like, we are going to do everything we can to support you. We are pulling everybody in together. We are doing this together and we're going to build. 
and, 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 and I, I just, I don't know. It is nice to see the buffs come out in front of all of this because there will be a lot of other schools that see this and say, wow, that's something that we should be doing. We need to be putting together. And they say that they'll have videos that, to watch. They'll have one-on-one meetings. There'll be workshops. There'll be sessions with mentors. They're going to be bringing in people from uh, the, the business world, from the sports world, all sorts of different speakers or presenters. And you know they're going to start right away which is so nice because even though this nil thing isn't going to happen until next summer or the fall 2021 they need to know what's going on before then and to just get out in front of this first of all because it gives you more time to prepare the student athletes but also it shows that he realizes that this is a need for a college athletics department a power five athletics department to compete to put his student athletes in their best possible position going forward and there will be schools that will follow but it's likely because they didn't have this idea or weren't able to flesh out the vision so quickly it's just one more sign that rick george knows what he's doing or at least has put together a staff that gives him good advice yeah, I, I think, you know, with everything we've heard from Rick George, just even within the last week when he was talking about their COVID response and how, how much they care about prioritizing the families and the players first, and then for them to come around and release this play or this program on Monday, it just is continuing to emphasize how much he cares about, you know, building up his student athletes to be well-rounded individuals. And, and yeah, I think there are benefits to the, pro, or to the university from doing this. And I think a big one, as you touched on, is recruiting. When you look at, you know, schools like California who are, uh, you know, more progressive in passing this legislation earlier, there are concerns that schools like USC and UCLA are going to be the ones to benefit because their students are going to go there and be able to get paid immediately. But then you look at CU and, and I think, yeah, that, that might be a hidden thing in the, in the background is saying, well, look, our students on average are making X amount of money off their likeness just because of our program. We set you up for success. Not only are you getting a great education at a power five school, but you're going to build your brand to go do afterwards. And so I, I do think that's important. Um, but yeah, being the first in this, uh, the, the Colorado Buffaloes, they're the first part or they're the first school in the Pac-12 to participate in um, the Darlaw rules, which as you touched on, Jeremy Darlow is, is the, the person who's with Brands Win Championships. And he said that that, came, that decision came because he liked Colorado's mission, that they're committed to providing these tools to athletes to have success in a life after sports. And I think that is just a ringing endorsement to echo not just Rick George, but the entire athletic department's work to push this initiative into producing well-rounded individuals that can contribute on the field, in the classroom, and in, in the community. Yeah, and I totally agree. And this, I feel like we sound like propaganda for <laughs> Rick George right now. Yeah. But, but the truth is, I mean, I think that Buffs fans at this point should all be on the same page, that he is one of the best athletic directors in the country, and Colorado's lucky to have him um, because he probably could get just about any job he wanted, any job that does come open. I'm just excited to see where this goes. I think Absolutely. this move just makes it feel so much more real like this really is just around the corner. And, you know, it, they're the conversations that we're already having at DMVR. Uh, I was out there this week and, you know, we we're saying, you know, with football players, with, with the Broncos, 
typically, if, if you give them a couple hundred bucks, they're willing to come on a podcast or come on a TV show or go on the radio or whatever you want them to do, make an appearance. That's not something we've ever had a chance to do with college athletes. And while you still get some access and a lot of them want to build their own brand and so they want to come out on podcasts and do that kind of stuff, it gives us some flexibility to make this more of a win-win situation because from a media standpoint, you know, I feel that what journalists do, sports reporters do is important and it helps everybody, the fans, it helps the coaches get the message out. It gives me a job. That's another person, (laughs) but, but it does sometimes feel a little bit exploitative covering college athletics just because I'm getting paid. I'm getting paid to go up to practice and talk to these people and they aren't getting paid to talk to me. You know, they're getting a scholarship and that's not the conversation we need to have right now, (laughs) but just totally different, (laughs) even just from my own comfort level in, in doing my job. It's like, yeah, let me, let me at least bring you down the DNVR bar, get you some food, bring you down to Blake street tavern, get you some food in exchange for this because you know, there were ways to do it before. I'm pretty sure student athletes get 10 free meals um, that they can accept per year from wh- whoever random people, but there's a bunch of paperwork you have to go through and there's limits on like, I think there's like, it can't be more than 50 miles away or maybe it, it can be from a restaurant, but it has to be takeout or something like it. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's all of this crazy stuff. And just to be able to say, Hey, Katie, Mustafa, you guys want to come on the podcast? I'll, I'll buy you some food or you know what? What if last year we had been able to make a LaVisca Chenault shirt? and share the profits with LaVisca Chenault. But, but that's just against the rules. And these are all things that just from my perspective, as somebody who works at DNVR, it's like, we have the opportunity now to do more things for DNVR that I think that Buffs fans would really appreciate and enjoy. And the student athletes can benefit off of that as well. Um, and that's just, you know, from the DMVR perspective. Then you get, you know, Blake Street Tavern. Could they be interested in having somebody um, sponsor the, or sponsoring a student athlete? Because you could see how that could help both sides there. And really that's what's happening is that now student athletes are able to accept money. And that just means that everybody can do things that are better for them. The businesses are in a better place. Otherwise they wouldn't make the deal. Student athletes, obviously are in a better place. You know, there's some questions what it'll do to the actual athletics department. But you know, if these players are getting marketed and it's, they're making significant money, you know, money that, that whether it means that they can get a nicer place or get another pair of shoes or whatever in between, I think they have to be happy too. Like that's good for the recruiting. It's good to see that student athletes are doing well. That's how you sell your program. And this is one more way. This is one more spot where the buffs can win. And while it may seem like the odds are stacked toward the USC or the Oregon, because they have that money, Rick George has a chance to, to, to make Colorado a a place that can compete right with those other bigger schools that are known for their big boosters with the big pockets. And I, I, I think that if they play it right, Rick George could put the buffs in a much better position because of this rule passing. And I think he took the first step already. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, just to touch on what you said, you know, it, 
as we talked about in our previous conversation that was unrecorded, some of these, <laughs> some of these rules just seem ambiguous that people decided years and years ago, and then people just followed it blindly, you know? And yeah. so it's great to see these pushes to make, make some sense of these things. Like why should somebody not get a free sandwich just because you had three touchdowns the other night? Like hell, as, as a fan of a team, I would buy you a sandwich if you did well. Why <laughs> yeah. not, you know? So, and, and, and it's truly, it's a symbiotic relationship because for businesses, like, you know, take, for example, the Blake Street Tavern. And like you said, if, if they want to do, or, you know, any restaurant, they want to do a sponsor and athlete program. Well, you know, that just expands the target audience of, of that restaurant because you're tapping into fans of this player and mm-hmm. that then helps them you know, get more revenue and get more foot traffic in the door. But at the same time, it also helps. Well, what if someone is a diehard Blake Street Tavern fan? And I know that they have people like that, that that will eat their food no matter what. They're there for the takeout, all this stuff. That's great. You've built some loyal customers. Well, maybe they're not Buffs fans, but if you sponsor Katie Nixon, well, who knows? Maybe they'll start turning into the Buffs games. And that in turn is going to bring in more revenue for not just the department, but the entire school, the Pac-12, the NCAA. So, Really, I think this is just a no-brainer as far as the NIL decision goes. And so now it's great to see Colorado, and I would be shocked if more schools do not follow in their footsteps within the next six months of creating something similar to this. Um, and that's going to be great. That would be great to have Rick George be that kind of figurehead to to just help build up his credibility. You know, there's been a lot of talk, you know, between us of just having him as a potential, you know, Larry Scott successor potentially because he has that recognition and I mean obviously that would do wonders and having him leave the university wouldn't be great because of you know what impact he's had but if he can turn around and have a great impact on the conference as a whole yeah if if all of a sudden Pac-12 football is competing with Big Ten and SEC football then sure, maybe the yeah. Buffs can make we'll, the sacrifice. We'll allow it. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess the first step to that is Oregon beating Ohio State in week two, I think, and you know maybe mm-hmm. USC competing with Bama. If that, or is it Bama or Ole Miss or uh, Bama? Bama and USC and, and didn't Bama. They, didn't they just schedule with Ole Miss too for a home and home? Ooh, I'm not sure about that because I th- I think they did with the Lane Kiffin thing because I think Lane Kiffin made a joke ah. about it. So, but yeah, so and that's great to see them do that, but. Okay, that was a rabbit hole, but you know what I mean. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's great to see him do it. Uh, it's it's a great relationship. It's going to give players an opportunity to really, not necessarily cash in because you know Lavisca Chenault would have a very very different value than you know Evan Price, the backup kicker. But well, not after he hit that game. Well, winner. right after, after I, the I game winner. Yeah, <laughs> if, if he was if if he had taken this class or like joined the Buffs with a brand program and like been a diehard follower and the NIL thing was happening, I bet that night he could have he could have gotten himself a deal. That's fair. Probably yeah. a few free meals or drinks that wouldn't have been had to be reported. Yep, that's yep. crazy. Ten free meals. I mean. Just to think about who decided that in a boardroom. They're like, you know what? 10 is that magic number. It just, it all just screams <laughs> ambiguity. <laughs> it's, yeah, seriously. It's just okay. Yep. Uh, but it, it, it is a really good thing. And, you know, thinking, it, what I'm excited to see is how this all shakes out. You know, would, would Chris Fusley, the owner of Blake Street Tavern, would he say, okay, Katie Nixon, we can give you $1,000 in cash $1,000 in credit. We want you to come here every other Thursday night in the summer and 
just be around? Like, what what does that look like? Or, or is he having come out and speak? Or is it like I, I don't? I it's it's an interesting thing, you know. Maybe maybe the social media uh, type of promotion is enough. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not totally sure where it's all going to go. Yeah, it, it's it's. It's when you will see marketing and promotion gurus start to explode in the sport business area mm-hmm. because there will be, I mean, I'm tr- I was trying desperately to come up with something catchy for like drinks with KD or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You just, it, it'll be restaurants giving some appearance fees to some of the bigger players. Um, and, and I think, you know, maybe Blake Street Tavern was a bat, was a worse example because it's in Denver, but maybe you look at like yeah. the sink or places that are more around Boulder, you know, up on 29th Street or, or on Pearl Street of places, um, you know, especially like Pasta Jays is a great example too because mm-hmm. they're already so ingrained mm-hmm. with it. You know, they give appearance fees for like a, a kids' night with KD, and so you can bring all your kid buffet, you know, stuff like that. Yep. That just if for for the business in their head, it's how are we going to generate a decent return on this? And so obviously, it's going to be if you're paying KD 500 to come down, you're going to be wanting to see at least a bump of 500 plus in those sales to make it worth your while. You know, for KD, it's a no brainer because, you know, that's money that he, they wouldn't have seen before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously we're using KD a lot because he's a, he's a vocal figure in the locker yep, room. But that can go for, yeah, but that can go for, exactly. But that can go for, you know, a lot of these different guys and especially, you know, you got a young quarterback and Brendan Lewis too. You got a lot of young guys coming up, which I think they must be just licking the chops because this recruiting class in particular has been very vocal, very popular with Boulder and and Colorado fans on social media. So they already have that following. So business owners in the area, you know, Brendan Rice, Keith Miller, they must be just eager to get their hands on these kids to come down because the other thing too, that helps with, and, and this is kind of a subset of it, but ultimately the NCAA, their main goal really isn't to help these kids out. It's to try and produce a, the best product they can. Mm-hmm. And so while it sounds selfish, it, it really does help because studies have been done. And the only reason I know this, again, is I actually just did a debate about paying college athletes like last week. So I know <laughs> a decent amount of resources, but there are studies that show like your ticket sales and stuff are going to spike after fan engagement events, such as like a meet the team, stuff like that, because it gets people more invested in the product. And so this just flows right into that as getting, making these players more personable, marketing them so that the community starts to get involved. And for Colorado in particular, I think that that's the biggest problem that they've had in years late because they haven't been as successful is just keeping the community engaged with the team. So I think that this is a great step in the right direction and we won't see that until 2021, but maybe that's the best name image likeness starts. You know, we've got it one year under the belt of Carl Durrell and you maybe have a new sophomore quarterback, maybe, you know, it, obviously this could just make the team incredible for the next foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's big. And uh, two key points. Um, I think, so I, I've talked to Mel Tucker about the Boulder thing about, you, you know, he said it, it's hard to catch the engagement because there are so many other opportunities, you know, in, in the winter, they could be up skiing instead of going to a game on Saturday. In the summer, they could be biking. In between, they could do whatever's between hiking and biking and skiing and whatever. But, but then uh, it it's just comes back to, to winning. And, and that was always his message. If you win, they'll come. If you win, they'll come. But doing something like this, I, I do think, would really help out 
also is there is there somewhere like i feel like brendan rice needs some sort of rice type sponsorship and so i'm trying uh, to think like there's i mean oh let's see here i'm trying to think of something that's not a chain i was gonna say there's noodles and company <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that they'll shell out for college endorsements yeah um, it's like maybe like a chinese place that could be like a brendan's rice yeah, or something. Yeah. And they could sponsor a meal like and yeah, maybe a, certain, a week or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And he'll get like 5% of the sales from that dish. Yeah. Okay. I think we might have a future in this. <laughs> I think, I think we might. Yeah. Maybe we should stop recording and plan the marketing tactics. Yeah. Nate Landman. I've got nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Mustafa Johnson. I don't know. Okay. Before we wrap <laughs> this up. Yeah. Want to just go through and uh, rank the marketability of some of these Buffs football players? Yeah, sure. Just because I, I think it's a kind of a fun exercise. Okay. You know, yeah. where, where does KD fit in? Because KD is, is a weird figure in, in Buff country, I, I think. I think that there are some people who see him as a very good receiver who's primed for a breakout year, and there are others who are like, you know, he, he talks a lot. And he had a down year last year. And so there's almost some negative vibes I feel like I've sensed toward him. What do you think I'm off in that assessment, first of all? Because it's not something I've really brought up before. No, not at all. And and I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago just talking about KD and, and what he is bringing to the table. Because, yeah, his production fell off. His yards per catch were almost exactly the same. But he had 400 yes, less yards and three less touchdowns. I mean, his production – was in half and that's Mm -hmm. you can look at a couple reasons maybe you know that you can point to but ultimately you you would have expected him to do better I think Tony Brown's emergence did take away from his targets because Tony Brown's an NFL receiver right now so and Alex Fontenot with the running game as well absolutely too so I I think there are reasons for that decline but you wouldn't have you would have preferred to see it yep better Uh, And I do think, you know, just as I I will say this, as being around Boulder, there is some people within the area that that aren't a fan of the whole superstar persona. There are some people that see it as too much for a guy that had 400 yards receiving last year. And I I, look, I, I think that's rightfully so. I think you can have that opinion. With that being said, I have to admit, I'm in the camp that he's poised for a breakout year. I think Mm -hmm. he is ready because LaVisca and Tony Brown are gone. You've got relatively young and inexperienced guys. Um, I think we're both pretty high on the receiving core as is, but still, KD should be getting a lot of looks, a lot of usage in the offense. So I think he has to be, for for those reasons why he he does have – already that following on social media he, he he has shown flashes and he just has the personality he has that it factor so i think he has to be the highest ranking guy as far as marketability because you know any publicity is good publicity people are going to know katie nixon so mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. that has to play into it yeah i think going back to his personality he's an interesting personality to me because he he has a lot to say And I think that that's pretty obvious. He has a lot to say, but at the same time, I think that it really does take some time to, to get where he's coming from. It isn't, it isn't so easy to, to just like read what he's saying, get to know him. I think that that is one of the kind of disconnects there is that, he does kind of have like these diva type vibes until you actually talk to him and realize, you know, 
he doesn't come from the best situation in Texas. You know, he, he didn't have a perfect upbringing. And for him to be here, uh, he is very committed to the game of football. And I think that that's the piece that sometimes gets left out. And that's the piece that people maybe don't see is just how much he cares about the game. And in part, because, you know, that's kind of what his whole life has revolved around. You know, I think maybe there's a real chance that he wouldn't be in college and and getting to know him has been one of my favorite parts of this job, just because he does have such a complex background and his, the, the way that he carries himself in the locker room is so unique because it is very much, you know, he, he, he's on, he's, he's in front of the camera, he's rapping, he's talking, he's doing all that stuff. But he's also part of the reason I would feel confident starting a freshman quarterback this year because he is that leadership voice still. You know, he was vo- voted as, I can't remember what the award's called, but as the the like leadership voice on the offensive side of the ball for last season in those postseason awards. That's what he was voted. That's what he was awarded. You know, that's really who he is. And when people see him on the field or see him, you know, we have this fun thing that we do where I go up there and I watch uh, the receivers warm up. And I pull my camera out and I, and I get like a couple of cool clips that they can put on Instagram. And I think Buffs fans like to see him on Twitter during warmups. Everybody's getting hyped before the game. He'll come up and he'll be like rapping in the camera. He'll be talking. You know, he, he was out there in the polo before the Utah game last year. And, you know, I asked him why before the game. He's like, oh, you know, it's all business. We're not playing out here. And, and there is some of that stuff. There is some flash, you know. I, I think that that's just part of being a receiver. That's part of playing that position where you're going one-on-one every single down. It's either you or the guy across from you, the cornerback that's winning. And that's why you see the same thing with cornerbacks too. It's all about pride out there and – it just, it can come or go so quickly that if you don't have that mindset, and again, talking about the that book that we were talking about earlier, how all the quarterbacks have that same personality trait, that's true of pretty much every position. The good ones have that personality, and that's just what a good receiver does. Now the next step for him is becoming a, a, a truly good receiver, one of the best in the Pac-12, and I think he's capable because I think that he's really close. Um you know, and, and I've said this before, but if he gets just a little bit quicker, if his route running becomes just a little bit sharper, if he gets a little bit faster in the long speed, um, just there are so many different ways that I think he could become um, a, a very valuable weapon and a very good offense. Or he could not take any of those steps. Or, I mean, I guess he could take all of them too. He says <laughs> he's running four threes. If you want to believe it, go ahead and believe it. If you don't want to believe it, well, we'll we'll see who's right in the end. I, I, I still have I still haven't picked a side whether I think that's real or not. I, I I think I'd say he's a low four fours guy. I I think I I would say I think if he's being told he's running a four three, I think his friend I, the whole forty times I think are so <laughs> random because I mean yep. like with KJ Hamler saying he's in the four twos and it's like yeah well you know, he was training with um, Albert O and he's saying you know it's like. Yeah, but look, I need game speed. I need game speed. Anybody yep. can run a full – well, not anybody. But, you know, 4-3, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, put on some pads and let's see it. I want, I want to see more like the flea flicker play where he burned the corner. He broke that tackle mm-hmm. right at the 50. And he just – he took it in nonstop. 
That is superstar potential when you make mm-hmm. that play because, you know, like you talked about, wide receiver versus cornerback, it's also one of those positions that's always on camera where you can tell. You know, a center might be going against the D tackle every play, but it's not going to be as visible as when you're watching a, a, a there's nothing more embarrassing than seeing a cornerback just get beat you know yep. and, and I watched the Broncos seeing Cortland Sutton do it in Indianapolis last season against oh I forget his name but uh it, like stuff like that where it's just noticeable or the opposite when you see Revis Island you know in his prime or Chant Bailey mm-hmm. some of these guys it's so visible because they are just closing off parts of the field so yep I, again, yeah, it's it's completely projection at this point, especially because we can't get eyes on the field because there is no field that has people on it right now, except <laughs> hit field, uh, where it's you know just people playing soccer or whatnot out there. So it it'll it's it's all projection, but I, I I'm glad to hear you say that because we've no yeah we've never actually spoken this much about KD for next year, and so it sounds like we're both in the same boat about his potential and and on the positive side of that projection. Yeah. And I like what you said. You mentioned that like he ran a guy over. That's another thing. That's a part of his game where if he takes just one more step and becomes a more consistent tackle breaker, like he has the type of build that would make you think that he's capable of that. Um, You know, he's only 183 pounds, but he's pretty compact. His thighs are, (laughs) I can't think of anything big enough to compare him to right now, but they're big. It's that better be in the podcast description. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think that this could be a big year for him just because you have all these pieces coming together from where he's, he's been a figure that Buffs fans have followed through the recruiting because he, I mean, he was a four-star prospect. He was supposed to come in uh, and be the better football player between him and Visca. I mean, Visca made that next to impossible by becoming one of the four best receivers in the country. And if it weren't for injuries, we would have seen him at his best, but you know, we, they've been following Katie from then, you know, we've seen this personality, but we haven't had a chance to really dig in because he hasn't been the guy, you know, it it was LaVisca Chenault who was at the PAC 12 media day last year, representing Colorado it's going to be virtual this year, but I think that's going to be KD speaking on behalf of this offense. And again, just doing that kind of stuff, getting his voice out there because it does take some time to understand him, you know, just um, people are complex, but it's, it's, I think you have that aspect where he has the type of personality that I think Buffs fans are just going to really love here pretty quickly, especially when they see what he does mean to that locker room and how, I mean, he, he's almost revered by some of the younger offensive players. You combine that with a bit of a down year where he didn't live up to the talents that he had and the fact that I think that he's just around the corner from all of those talents being elite traits in the Pac-12. Whether he gets any of them there or all of them there, we're still yet to be seen. But this has the feel of a big breakout. Um, the question wasn't what's – KD going to do this year? Yeah. Actually, I think I might have actually asked you that. Well, the question it, was who's most marketable. But, uh, but it, well, I think it, it. I think it ties in perfectly just because mm-hmm. we talk about all these factors, and then the biggest takeaway is, well, he's got a big personality. But what's the thing you've said multiple times? He takes time to dig in and realize like what a good person he is and whatnot. And this is a perfect opportunity to because if you're paying him for appearance fees, you know, once a week, once a month, whatever it is, and people can actually talk to him, well, that gives him a chance to run with it. Now, granted, mm-hmm. could that 
perhaps propel it in a negative direction because of the cameras and the publicity? Could that make it superstar? Or is that going to be KD that shows up, you know? And, mm. and so again, that's something that you just won't know with time, but I think it gives him a platform for people to, to fall in love with who he is and where he's come from. And when you match that with the ability that he has, I mean, he has unquestioned talent. Again, it's just about, can he put that together on the field? And I mean, it, it could be, he could become, you know, one of the bigger names in college football. Now the problem then becomes is that, his time is going to end. Well, not in college football. That's outrageous. But, you know, in, in the Pac-12, <laughs> in the state. And, and you know, the problem is, is his time is coming to a close right before the name, image, and likeness stuff kicks in. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe while he's prepping for the draft and stuff, he'll still stick around Boulder sometimes and become a bigger name too. I mean, you, know, you look at some of these guys who had that relationships with the community. and I mean, look at Philip Lindsay when he comes yeah. back to games and it's just everybody is just in awe. He's superhuman. You know, yep. and so if Katie can start to build that with the community, you know, who knows? Sky's the limit for the kid. Yep. And I think it is too bad that there's a good chance we will never see him just like on a local TV commercial telling some joke, you know, because I think that that, that is the kind of opportunity that these student athletes have to really become f- people in the eyes of the fans instead of just football players. And and when you get to see that more human side, whether it's like cracking joke in commercials, I'm not sure if you've seen like all the Rockies commercials from like 2007, 2008 era, but they're hilarious. Like it's just the Rockies doing dumb jokes. They're like puns, kind of like the This Is Sports Center type commercials. Oh, yeah. But okay. again, those This Is Sports Center commercials, a great example of how those athletes just become a little bit more humanized. You get to see a little bit more out of them and it's not just in a media environment. It's not a press Mm -hmm. conference. Uh, Okay. So let's actually rank these people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Let's start with, uh, I mean, who, who is your number? Who's your number one? Like you're a businessman. (laughs) Don't even think about the puns or what type of business you're running. Who, who would you most want? to to do like ads for you or sponsors or something i'm gonna give two names because i wanted to try and be creative but the first one has to be kd for all Mm -hmm. the reasons we just talked about the second one i'm going to say is whoever ends up starting under center whoever your qb1 is is automatically going to be bumped up to the list now i think that that will range too based on who it is because i think brendan lewis in particular is going to be a more attractive guy to market because he's new there's more to learn about him and also, with a true freshman, if he ends up starting, you got to imagine, well, this guy's going to be here hopefully four years. So that's going to mm-hmm. be another thing to take into account. So I, I think quarterback, whoever it ends up being, is going to be the, the guy that anybody in Boulder wants to get around. But if you're going you know, a little bit outside the box, thinking Katie Nixon, um, and I, I, who are you thinking? Let me, let me hear that first before I continue. Well, I, I've said these names a couple times before, but Nate Landman, right. um, Mustafa Johnson, I think personality-wise, I think Mustafa would be the easier fit. I mean, KD is the easiest fit on the team, um, but Mustafa probably had a Nate just because Nate is not not like a mean guy or anything, but just <laughs> not the most like he's he's not somebody who's just out everywhere speaking his mind, overly talkative. Um, but I think he will be a great football player, and that has to be a part of it. Uh, it it does get kind of tough after you get past, you know, I think Mustafa and Nate at this point, I'd say they're 
probably fourth round picks in the draft. I'd yep. say KD is one of the top receivers outside of the draft. And that's kind of where your talent is spread out. You know, Will Sherman might be might be your most talented football player. Will Sherman might be. Um, and we've had him on the DNVR Buffs podcast before, and he did a great job. He's also a right tackle. Right. And if things go the way I hope they do, a left tackle. Um, but that's what's interesting. You know, uh, Alex Fontenot, not a personality that's like outgoing, like big and loud, pretty chill, but like a smart kind of funny kid. Whether you could get into that, I don't I, I I don't know, but again, another guy who I think is going to break out this year. It's yeah, it becomes a it becomes a balancing act because, like you said, you've got the big three at the top of people who are supposed to produce become talented with Landman mm-hmm. Johnson and KD, and then it becomes balancing between you know personality and production because the team just it, I mean you know when you lose as many guys as they lost, it felt like so many leaders on this team. Like if we had this conversation last year, how different would it be with saying immediately oh, Tim yeah. Lanot, Stephen Montez immediately mm-hmm. come to mind, you know, and then Mikel Onu and Davion Taylor, yep. those are guys you want out there. And so there's really a void on the team in that area as far as combining leadership with a veteran presence with production as being a you know a fledged starter. So. You know, I think there are guys that are going to come up. I don't know enough about, you know, KJ Trujillo's personality. You would know more about him, but I think he's a young guy and he's shown, oh, well, obviously he's a young guy, but he's also shown great flashes too, which is great. So, you know, how that builds up, because again, cornerback could be an area where yep. you know, it could be very easy where if he's locking down people and it's very apparent, people are going to want to start to get him in the door and, and get to know who KJ is outside of the football player too. You know what I'd be really tempted to do? What's that? I would be really tempted to just like take the whole secondary or like even the cornerbacks and just say like, okay, I'm going to pay you whatever three of you or four of you this much, because I think that this is going to be a like possibly the strongest group on the team. I think that that's a very real possibility. Don't really know who's going to be on the field. You know, KJ, he was pretty quiet at the same time. He was an 18 year old kid with microphones in his face. So I mean, yeah. that's the other thing here is that like you, you learn how to handle that kind of stuff. And, you know, honestly, if, if you're somebody who's trying to make TV commercials and that's what you're looking for buffs to do, maybe you are going after the young guys and saying, we're going to develop you into somebody who can do this because that's not something that's easy to do. Um, you know, KJ, pretty quiet guy. Most of the younger guys on the team are. That's just how that works. They're very few. They're just outspoken and the words come out super easily. Um, but yeah, I do, I do think cornerback is one of the spots you look at. And then with that then too, just going the opposite way too with receivers and seeing how those young guys develop because mm-hmm. you know, like we talked about, there are some big personalities in that receiver room outside mm-hmm. of KD. Yes, there and are. So, I mean, and, and that could be its own thing too. Just copying that. You do a cornerback appearance fee, you do receiver appearance fees, you know, and you get a group of guys to do signings and whatnot. I mean, that would be a great way to meet some of these kids because they're, they have a lot of hype behind them, heavily recruited. This recruiting class has so much publicity on it within the community. So now let's show them off. Let's show off the crown jewels because then also when we're ranking this, it's great to put it you know, into context of when this stuff's actually going to happen, which is mostly going to be then starting next spring into summer. 
well, you know, think about what the receiver room is really going to look like with Dimitri Stanley and, you know, Maurice Bell perhaps being, and Dar- uh, Daniel yeah. Arias are those guys that are like going to be the veterans in the room, whereas you have the other guys coming up behind it. So I think that just the problem is the timing of it is when you lose so many guys that are so great with the media already. Yep. Um, it, it does, like you said, you just need to kind of train them and develop them into it, which it becomes a project, but maybe that's also, you know, within this program that started this whole conversation, maybe they're going to teach them how to deal with the media, which I'm sure has to be a part of it because of the, because, you know, bad publicity then would come back and bite the team. If they end up, you know, not knowing and, and panicking under a camera that could come back and look bad on Colorado. So it'll be, it'll just be interesting to see how that develops. And, and our rankings are great, but, you know, I may be a business student and, and you studied economics too, but ultimately we're not the ones who actually have a marketing budget. So maybe <laughs> everybody else sees something else that we're missing. Yeah. I'd throw Brady Russell in there too. I love Brady Russell. Yep. And I think everybody does. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what a, what a Colorado football player too, <laughs> yeah. you know? He, he, he's told me before that he likes blocking. Like he's a blocking type. Like he wants to go just like hit people. Like you can go catch the ball too. He has the hair. He has like a massive personality. Here's a story I haven't told. So one of the things I do because I'm a Buffs reporter is uh, I watch pretty much every time one of the Buffs goes live. Um, huh. You know, like Instagram or Twitter. I just kind of tune in. A lot of the time I record it too just in case something happens. And, you know, you see it a lot more with like NFL reporters, like here's Von Miller, here's what he had to say. And there's more of that kind of stuff. But I do it at college too, just in case there's something I want to look back on or if I didn't catch something or whatever, especially during the Ashad Clayton stuff when mm-hmm. we never knew if he was actually coming to Colorado. And then it's like, oh, 10 o'clock, he's going live. So this is the time where he says, hey, I'm going to Kansas, <laughs> yeah. time to record. <laughs> and because of that, um, I can't remember who was posting it, but this was a few months ago, uh, probably maybe January, February. uh, And the entire team, most of the team was just dancing in the locker room. Uh, There was probably, let's call it 20 guys. They're all dancing, a lot of receivers. They're all just like going, it's like 20 minutes. Somebody's playing music. They're like dancing to the camera, that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, Brady Russell, butt naked, just bounces across backwards, (laughs) just big white ass right in the camera. And and see, like, that's a story I haven't told, a video that nobody else will ever see um, (laughs) because I feel like that's a violation. Because I almost wonder, like, did he not know that that was live? Did he not know? Did you not even see the camera? I've thought a lot of things about that. And sure, actually, no, this was before, uh, this must have been like November, December, or maybe not. Because I remember seeing Matt Russell at the sideline with John Elway at one of the Buffs basketball games, and Brady went over because Matt's his uncle, Matt, All-American Buff, now basically runs the Broncos with John Elway. Um, And I was like, wow. What if he knew? Like, like, (laughs) would that be like a decent conversation starter? Like, hey, Matt, hey, John, saw Brady just left. Here's a hilarious video of him. I bet you could not imagine that. But yeah, all of that to say Brady is a goofy guy who plays – uh, a kind of ignorable position, at least the, the way he plays tight end, it'd be easy to just forget about him. But he does it in a way that I think Buffs fans really like. Um, you know, it is kind of that just gritty, big, long hair guy. I, I think that he would be a good choice too. Yeah, he's an old school football player. You know, he's not yeah. going to be a flashy yep. tight end who thinks he should be franchise tagged as a receiver. That's not it's not mm-hmm. his game. He's Exactly, he's gritty. He. You know, when, when you have a guy that self-proclaims likes to block, 
you've got a different kind of football player. And so I, I agree. I think that would resonate with fans in a different way, especially if you compliment him with, with a couple different guys. You know, you have him in, in some type of situation where he's with a bunch of the receivers and it's like, no, he just wants to go out and hit people. You know, and, and yeah. it's like, is he yep. a linebacker or actually a tight end? So, I, yeah, I, I agree. He'd be, a, he'd be a fun personality to get out there on TV or something and just see what happens. I agree. I think that's going to do it for today's show um, because I think Ben has to go like, think of something. But uh, thanks, Ben, for coming on. It was fun. We'll do it again soon. And if you guys have any questions, you can leave them in the post for today's show at ddmvr.com, and I'll get to those tomorrow will be the next podcast and uh i will see you all then then um bye